Ladies and gentlemen, you found the program that pulls no punches, that knocks out political correctness, and delivers a right cross to defend the Constitution. We call it Fighting Words. And now, entering the ring, retired infantry colonel, trial lawyer, and fighter for truth and justice, Kurt Schlichter. Welcome back to another edition of Fighting Words with Kurt Schlichter, the Hugh Hewitt-affiliated podcast for Salem Media. That is FCC compliant, as opposed to my other one, which is unredacted with Kurtzlinger, and that's uh, associated with Town Hall VIP. So you you can get this, which is Kurtzlinger in uh, mellow mode, and you can get me as a raving, profane lunatic in unredacted. So you've got your choice. We got a lot to talk about today. Holy cow! Um, first, we got to do our Hugh Hewitt fanboy stuff, and I've known Hugh since gosh. 2007, when he came and was my uh, guest of honor at the 1st Battalion, 18th Cavalry Regiment's, um, or 1st Squadron, 18th Cavalry Regiment's uh, Cavalry Ball, at which point we made him drink grog out of a hat. I have photos that blackmail power accounts for wine here. Anyway, um, uh, two interesting things about Hugh. First of all, he signed on with Salem for another eight years. Till 2028, that's, gosh, three elections from now. That's pretty fantastic, uh, because he's been kind of a staple on my radio for nearly two decades. Now i got another decade of him, and uh, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And uh, I'm pretty excited for uh, Dwayne and Adam and uh, Ben and uh, the rest of the gang who I've gotten to know guest hosting for him. Uh, well, I, I knew Dwayne before that. Uh, but uh, this, is, uh, this is cool news. So congratulations to... Hugh and the whole gang at the Hugh Hewitt radio program. And uh, we're looking forward to nearly at least another decade because, but, but by the time, you know, 2028 rolls around, he'll still be uh, 62 years younger than Joe Biden. And I think we need to talk about Joe Biden, and we will talk about Joe Biden. But first, I got to talk the other uh, bit of Hugh Hewitt news. Did you, if, if you listen to the show, and I, I, I'm a member of the universe, it's so, so cute, the universe, and uh, I, uh, I, I heard something this week that I usually don't see, and that's a uh, Hugh loses temper. And uh, he was pretty angry at what Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer did with the bailout. And I think he had every right to be. But that doesn't change the fact that it's kind of unusual to see Hugh Hewitt angry. Hugh is, Hugh's brand is mellow, rational, reasonable. He's still, he's still a very tough interviewer. If you listen to him, he, he will get stuff out of people by being nice. And frankly, I, I attempt to pillage that because my, you know, I'm, a, I'm a trial lawyer. And he was not a trial lawyer. He was an environmental lawyer. He didn't spend a lot of time cross-examining witnesses. I kind of do. And I tend to, you know, try and bludgeon people into submission. Uh, but when I'm guest hosting for them, and when I'm doing other shows, I, I will, uh, I basically, uh, it's larceny. I, 
I try and steal his way of getting in there and being nice and friendly and getting people to tell me things. It's kind of a different. It's a it, it's a different tactic that a lot of people use. A lot of journalists will use the fake confrontation, fake gotcha, and you see that a lot in the uh, Trump uh, press conferences, which is foolish because Trump is a better subject of an interview than most of the uh, alleged journalists are reporters. He, he is he knows their job inside and out. He knows how to answer questions. He knows how to take over an interview. So you see, isn't it true that you're racist by by saying that the that, that, that Wuhan flu came from Wuhan? And isn't that racist? And then he just goes, no, it came from China. China. And it's, he, he just turned, you know, they try and play gotcha. And the way Hewitt does it is he, you know, he will get people in there and every once in a while you'll hear the 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 silence that kind of kind of reminds me of that little little blue circle on your computer you know when it's when it's cycling and trying to figure out what it's going to do and they're like oh my gosh i have walked down this trail he has he has walked me here and now i'm in a place i don't want to be what the heck do i do and i've, I've actually uh I've, I've managed to get uh some uh some subjects that i've interviewed into that place and i'm not trying to make them uncomfortable i'm trying to get them to say something interesting and that's what that's what he wants. He wants to make news. He wants again to, to say something interesting. So anyway, that's his brand: being nice, being mellow, being respectful. You you know you you could be Hillary Clinton, and he he will come on there, and you know I'm, I'm I'm pretty sure he doesn't think much of her as a person, but he'll treat her with respect. She'll get to say what she wants to say, but she'll also get tough questions and uh, be treated with respect. So that's why it was a bit of a shock, and I know I've gone on a giant circular trip, but we have a half hour here on Fighting Words with Kurt Schlichter, so I can, you know, I can wander about aimlessly. Um, he got mad. He got mad because uh, Hugh, repre- Hugh is and, and represents the, the Americans who are, uh, what's the bad word? Decent. I don't want to say decent because that implies other people aren't decent. But he, he, he's a great believer in fair play. He is not cynical. Uh, he understands there's politics. He understands that people do ridiculous things in politics. But at the end of the day, he expects people to pull together and uh, work together when they can and put aside childish things, which Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer were unable to do. They, they had a deal Sunday, pretty close to a deal, Nancy Pelosi flits back into town because for some reason she sent the house away for a week so it couldn't work. That's insane. Uh, While the Senate's doing this stuff. And she comes back into town and announces, no, we're not doing this. In fact, I have my own bill. And here it is. And it's a whole bunch of bizarre priorities uh, for the AOC contingent. You know, the Green New Deal and the union stuff and all sorts of other things. And uh, we are simply not going to not going to pass this anything. We're going to start over, and you're going to give me everything I want that you couldn't get anyway. And he blew his top because that's that's not what we're needing. They're playing politics. He doesn't really. He doesn't say we're playing politics because playing politics is not necessarily a bad thing. You should play politics. Politics is the 
a process by which the people's voice is heard through their representatives. Politics. It's not inherently bad. What's inherently bad is short-term uh, selfish interests. Not enlightened self-interest, that's a little different, but short-term selfish interests, uh, bullying and taking advantage of a bad situation to the detriment of others in a way that is manifestly unfair, which is what she attempted to do. She said, you have to pass this. I'm going to make you, you know, allow ballot harvesting and all sorts of other bizarre Democrat wishes so they can cheat in the future. And it's, it was horrible. And um, it lasted about 72 hours. 72 hours of shame. And then it stopped. And it stopped but quick. Now, here are a couple of things you didn't see. You didn't see a bunch of Democrats coming out you know, in moderate districts coming out going, yeah, I support Nancy Pelosi. You saw that, you saw Dick Durbin's and the Christian Gillibrand's, but you know, they could, they could put a tattoo of uh, a Stalin on their back and still get reelected in their districts. But people have to get reelected in America? Not so much. Not so much with the, you know, bizarre climate change wish list. People are going, look, we are losing our jobs. We are losing our businesses. We are losing hope. And you're pulling this. And there was simply no way McConnell and, and, and Trump were, were going to put up with it. There was no way this was going to win. She was never going to get what she wanted. Uh, it never would have passed the Senate. Even if it had, Donald Trump would have vetoed it. And the people would have stood by him because it is impossible to argue in favor of what you did. Well, unless you're a rabid leftist, in which case facts and honesty and decency don't matter anyway. This was the best thing she could have done for the Republicans. Because I think she looked terrible. I think her caucus ended up looking terrible. I think people are going to remember this. I think uh, a lot of the members were very eager to uh, not go on record about Nancy Pelosi's thing. Now, keep in mind, this thing, as I'm recording this, I'm recording this the, uh, on uh, the 25th of March, uh, this thing has not fully resolved. It has been passed by everybody, and there are problems with it still, and it has to go to the president. Looks like something's going to pass, but it may take a couple days. It might not get unanimous consent. I don't know at this point. But uh, I think something's going to happen. I don't think there's any choice. I think the market thinks something's going to happen. The market went up, what, 2,100 points on uh, Tuesday? Went up uh, again on, uh, and I'm not sure what I, I haven't looked at my uh, iPad in a few minutes. But I think it did okay on Wednesday. That indicates that people are... You know, people are putting money where their mouth is. They're saying, wow, things are going to get better. This is the start of it. Now, is this a perfect bill? It is not a perfect bill. Um, and it's not going to solve every problem. But it may be the Band-Aid we need to stop the bleeding long enough for us to get through this quarantine lockdown phase. And that's the next big, big issue that's going on. Lockdown phase, quarantine, how long is this going to uh, go on? And Donald Trump has done something I think is very important, and he said, look, I want to get it done by Easter. I want over by Easter. And, of course, the left and the media, but, but I repeat myself, 
went insane over this. They went nuts. He's going to kill us. He's going to kill everybody. He's going to He's going to destroy everything. He wants your grandma to die. 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 And it's just stupid. Think of it as a stool. You know, like the kind you sit on. And it's got three legs. One leg is safety and security. And that's a very, that's very important. Another leg is economic prosperity. That's very important too. Another leg is personal freedom. These are all important, okay? And, and you, you want them in balance, right? If you don't have balance, your stool is unsteady. And sometimes they can't be fully in balance. Sometimes, you know, in a, in a crisis, you, you, the, the safety security leg is going to be longer, right? Other times when you feel safer, you take risks and the freedom will be longer. But you generally want about the same. Otherwise, it becomes unstable if you're following my analogy. And what Donald Trump is saying is, okay, we, we've done safety and security, and that's important. We need to look at the other considerations. We need to look at economic prosperity. That's the one he focuses on. But he's also talking about personal freedom. I don't know about you, but I don't like people telling me I can't leave my house. Now, I am not one of the guys who says, oh, my gosh, it's ridiculous, crazy. We should be able to do, you know, leave our houses. Look, this is an emergency situation. This is unusual. This is weird. We've got to work together, and sometimes, sometimes safety and security legs got to be a little longer. But this can't be a habit. And I think there are some people out there who enjoy the power that comes with telling people what to do. Now, are there a lot of them? No. But there are some who seem to be thinking, well, this is a great opportunity to do some of the things I always wanted to do you know, with my expanded powers, but I couldn't convince people to do in normal times, like uh, close gun stores. Like shut down the second, shut down a constitutional right. There are people out there who, and look, I'm not shocked at this. It's human nature. Some people will push the envelope. This is why it's important to have people out there advocating on the personal freedom leg, on the economic leg, and and yeah, and we got lots of them on the safety security leg. We got lots of medical people going. No, no, no. You can't. You can't slow this down. Got other people going, but wait, we have important economic interests. And other people going, we have important freedom interests. And those have to be balanced. I like having advocates for all of them. I don't want to see, uh, you know, a fake consensus. I don't want to see where we just give ourselves over to the experts. I kept getting t- we kept being told we need to defer to the experts. We don't defer to the experts. Experts advise us. We, the people, through our representatives and elected officials, decide what the priorities are. You know, you get these people go, we should listen to the experts. And what they're really saying is not we should take their advice, but they should make the choices for us. But, you know, Dr. Fauci is a brilliant guy. He's a brilliant guy. And he has important things to say about epidemiology. He's been fantastic in this thing. If you heard his interview with you, it was I, I felt very good having a guy like this out giving advice. But let's understand what his role is. It is to give advice. We choose. Leadership and command is about choosing. It's about choosing between alternatives. It's about weighing costs and benefits. It's about figuring out which leg of the stool needs to be longest at any given time and try and keep them in balance. Preferably, that's the best way to do it. 
that's that's our choice. We don't seed away the choices of what we're going to prioritize. Freedom is important. Economics are important. We can't destroy our entire economy because of this. And and frankly, there are some medical guys who say, well, you know, we could solve this tomorrow by shutting down everything for 14 days. Maybe, well, let's let's assume they are correct, that we could shut down the virus uh, by shutting down everything for 14 days. Now, that is not a done deal. That is not something we should assume, but let's assume we could. What is the cost of that? What is the damage? The economic dislocation would be un- unbelievable. And there'd be other consequences too, shortages. and uh, There would be deaths uh, from various consequences of basically shutting down the country for 14 days. So that choice, whether we're going to do that or we're going to do something else, and, and we are doing something else, is ours. You don't defer to the experts, right? You, you listen to them, you weigh them, and you then decide what your priorities are. So that's where people get confused. They think experts should determine the priority. Why is a medical expert? We have to listen to them. Well, of course we listen to them. But at the end of the day, we decide. Well, you're not qualified to decide. Well, I'm not qualified to tell you how an epidemic is going to spread. I am qualified to tell you how my government's going to run. You know what my qualification is? It's the fact that I was born here and I'm an American citizen and I get a freaking vote. That's, that's my qualification. That's my diploma. I, I don't need another. Because these, again, are choices. Well, yeah, we may have that economic dislocation if we shut down, but if we shut down, we may stop the virus. Okay, I, I will thank you. I now know my choices. I will make the choice because I am a free citizen. I'm an American. I will make the choice. This is not a dictatorship. Certainly not a technocratic dictatorship where the doctors get to decide. Now, you know, it's kind of amusing. We we have a very similar thing where Donald Trump's uh, approval rating, because his leadership's been pretty fantastic uh, during this thing. And again, he's, you know, he's talking about various, the various interests. He's not simply saying, well, I'm just deferring to the medical guys. No, his job's not to defer to medical guys. His job's to consider their advice and the effects of his, uh, the decisions he made because we elect him to do that job. But I think he's done a very good job uh, in a very tough situation. Uh, and his approval ratings have gone up thereby because people have seen him doing the leadership thing. Now a lot of people are always too optimistic. Okay. <sighs> I I was a colonel. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not General Patton, but I know a little bit about leading people. You know who, who's a bad leader? Eeyore is a bad leader. Oh, oh it's me. I'm Debbie Downer. Oh, we're all going to die. Okay, that's bad leadership. Leadership involves giving people hope. And there is hope. And that's what Donald Trump's been... He said, look, we're going to get back and we're going to come roaring back. People are going, phew, gosh, I was worried. But you know, he seems to think we're going to do okay. 
morale is vital. You don't get people with bad morale to go over the top with bayonets into the enemy fire. And you don't get a society running again, telling them, oh, we're all going to die. You remember FDR used to do his fireside chats. The only thing we ever fear is fear itself. I think he did that in a novel, but you get the point. He didn't say, we're all going to die. I can't do a mid-Atlantic accent, but you get it. We're all going to die. Our failure is complete. Woe is me. You remember Jimmy Carter and his malaise? You remember Barack Obama saying, well, you know, I can't weigh my wand and bring back manufacturing jobs. Okay. When you are a bad leader if you don't create hope that your team can achieve the objective. That's what Donald Trump does. And that's driving the media nuts. A lot of there's this campaign in the media not to show Donald Trump's press conference. This is journalists. Right, and I, you can't see my air quotes, but there's a lot of air quotes going on. The journalists are saying we, we can't have Donald Trump because he, he lies. He's not giving accurate information. What they're really saying is, me, Joe journalist, I will choose what you hear. I will decide what is right and wrong and accurate, and I will present you with the information that I feel you should know. You, you, I'm not going to allow you to get it from the source and evaluate it yourself. Instead, you will get what I am, because I am qualified to do that because reasons and because. Yeah, I mean, I have a journalism degree from Columbia. I've been a writer and a journalist and a reporter. I have a wide range of experience doing one thing. And therefore I know all things. That's the, that's the narcissism of a lot of journalists. They think they're experts in everything. I mean, that's why you see guys on, you know, on cable news and they get called, what do you want to call? You know, we, we need someone to comment on, say no more. Don't you want to know what the subject is? No, I'll do it. Now, some of us have a wide range of experience. I, I do. I have military experience, legal experience, business experience, uh, cultural experience, writing experience. I, you know, I, I, I could talk about a fair number of things. But, you know, if you get me on there to go, how about chloro? What is the efficacy of chloroquine therapy when combined with acetomethrin and zinc? I'd be like, uh, eh, er, er. You know, the best I can offer you is don't eat fish tank cleaner. It's bad for you. That's about as far as I could go. Most of these journalists have no experience, yet they want to be the ones who decide what is and isn't true. I have a different idea. It's kind of crazy, but it just might work. It's called letting you decide, you the American people. Well, you're not qualified to, like the journalists are. If that's the standard... You know, what, 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 what's the standard that qualifies the journalists? That they agree with a, the, uh, uh, you know, basic center-left establishment consensus? Well, that doesn't seem like a qualification to me, actually. It seems like a giant disqualification to me. Because the establishment consensus is garbage, much like the establishment itself. See, this is where I differ from Hugh Hugh. He loves institutions, and I am inherently suspicious of them. And that's good. Because you need people saying, hey, you know, one side and the other. You have, to, you have a wide spread of, of, of views. And that's, that's the interesting thing about conservatism. We actually have a fairly widespread variety of 
views about these subjects. And you can have kind of center left and harder core stuff. I'm not sure if I'm like center left. I think I'm center left, but I'm like above it. I'm like kind of off to the side rather than back towards a more conservative because I got a libertarian vibe in there and there's stuff going on. So anyway, where are we stand? Well, Donald Trump is clearly angling to get us out of this as soon as possible so we can get back in the business of getting down to business. And I agree with that. I have a, uh, you know, I have, uh, I have a business myself, as well as barking dogs. Uh, I have a business myself, and I'm trying, you know, very hard to keep my folks employed, gainfully, so that they can continue supporting their families. Uh, I think the bailout, in whatever form passes, will probably help somewhat. Uh, what will help most is allowing us to get back to work. And that's, that's a balance. You know, when you make choices like this, you, you, you're doing what in the military we call accepting risk. Okay? And one of the problems with the military is, the peacetime military or the low-intensity combat military, is what we would call the zero defects mentality. To achieve anything, you have to take risk. You have to accept risk to get something else. The risk of letting people out early is virus comes back in a big way. That's a real risk. We should understand that going in. We should accept that going in. Uh, if we're not willing to accept that, then we, we shouldn't lift our uh, restrictions. Um, but we should be very clear about it, and everybody should go all in. The In the military... You have a problem because you can sometimes get the zero defects mentality, which means we will accept no defects. Okay, if you accept no defects, that you're essentially saying you're to take no risks. If you take no risks, you are not making decisions. If you are not taking decisions, you are not in control. You're simply gliding along. And that doesn't mean bad things aren't going to happen. Bad things happen all the time because people refuse to make decisions. It's just a different kind of bad thing. One thing that doesn't happen if you don't make decisions is great success. You don't get great success if you don't make decisions. No great leader has been a great leader by sitting there going, well, I'm paralyzed with doubt and fear. The problem with the zero defects mentality, and people, you, know, you, you screw up once, you don't get promoted, your career's over. This encourages people not to take risks, which encourages people not to do anything, which is encourages a, a, a failure mentality. Because you can't really fail if you haven't done anything, right? You can't get blamed for it. I mean, it doesn't always work out that way, but that's the bottom line. That's basic. So, Donald Trump is probably going to let these people go. You know, to the extent he can, because all this stuff is local. But he's going to put, to let our people go from lockout sooner than a lot of our uh, medical folks and a lot of our liberal folks would want. A lot of liberal folks are going to demand they defer purely to some of the medical people. There are other medical people who are going, eh, you know, right now, we're going, eh, you know, maybe this isn't as bad as we think it is. Okay. Again, is that a risk we want to accept? Is that a risk we want to take? We will find out. But... The bottom line is Donald Trump is going to push for that, that economic leg of the stool, kind of the freedom leg of the stool, at the expense of the safety and security leg, which has been very long lately, and taking, the, you know, taking our little stool 
off balance. Gosh, I'm really carrying this analogy on. So what we're going to see over the next week, I think, and hopefully we'll talk about the next time on Fighting Words with Kurt Schlichter, is this process of trying to balance out the economic, the freedom uh, components against the safety security component. And you're going to hear a lot of screaming and crying about it. A lot of you're trying to make granny die stuff. And some of it's nonsense, but some of it might have a point. Maybe it is too early. No one's made a decision. Getting us back in operation by Easter is purely aspirational. And I got to tell you, it's an aspiration I can get behind 100% if we can do it wisely. So anyway, that concludes another edition of Fighting Words with Kurt Schlichter, the Hewitt Affiliated Podcast. I am Kurt Schlichter. You can find me uh, on Town Hall every Monday, Wednesday, and Thursday. Get my get, Join Town Hall VIP and get my Wednesday call. It's always fantastic, if I say so myself, and of course I do. You also get my unredacted podcast that usually comes out on Mondays. And uh, you'll find me here next time on uh, Fighting Words with Kurt Schlichter. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye.